How Bubba Watson Saved My Life. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? Yes, I did almost die, and yes, he did actually save my life, but it's probably not what you think. Let's get into it. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hello again. Welcome to Data Access Golf. My name is Aaron Stewart. Happy to have you aboard. So yeah, this is a a story that I don't really tell much. And then actually, I was out with my wife last night. We were at a, a public function and the story just sort of kind of came up kind of in a bad way. We were talking with a friend of ours about uh, his father-in-law who's in the hospital and and having a tough time right now. And uh, so that, you know, kind of led to the time that I was in the hospital with a with a similar ailment and was not it was not looking good. So this happened back. Yeah, this. So again, bear with me. This happened back in 2012. So my wife is awesome. She is. um, Well, she's extraordinary. If I can steal the word from extraordinary golf, she is. In every sense of the word, she's amazing, and uh, I love her to pieces. But um, she has a, she has a, an air, a, a problem with her ear. It's a birth defect where her eustachian tube doesn't work properly. And uh, for a while, she kind of got away with it. But as she got older and and her ear became less and less flexible, her eustachian tube wouldn't close anymore, and that causes all kinds of dizziness and nausea problems and all kinds of stuff where it always I guess it always sounded like she had her head stuck out the window you know and the wind was blowing by so it was kind of a mess because as far as quality of of life goes it was quite poor when she was dealing with this and so we found through a a set of some really cool uh, circumstances and finding a, a doctor here locally who happened to be at a conference and heard about this new procedure that could kind of help somebody like Carol and it's really rare, this birth defect, but this doctor lived in Boston, and we actually don't live in Boston. We live in the state of Utah, so quite a, a ways for us. But we started, again, she was, we were, de- I mean, I was going to say she was desperate. We all were. I, I mean, nobody liked to see her in pain, and with three kids and stuff, it's kind of hard to be a mom that way. And so we started um, taking trips out to Boston, and I, I believe in total, I think when we sat down and tried to count it all up, I think we took seven trips in total to Boston for, you know, sort of pre-check to see if she was a good candidate. And then we actually had, I think it's either four or five surgeries in Boston Ear, the hospital there. I'm not a big fan of the place. I just had to spend so much time there. But um, I'm sure it's a great facility. I just, it wasn't great for me to be there all that time. And, and um, traveling back and forth to Boston for this type of thing and for my experience too it it doesn't really work very well so the time is 2012 and we've gone back out i I actually i guess let me step back so i actually had appendicitis a pretty bad one they caught it in time it was the size of varying stories but apparently it was quite large size of a, you know, between a golf ball and a baseball, whatever. They got it out. I got there in time and they, and they, you know, fixed me. But we had this uh, surgery scheduled for Carol out in Boston. And so I was like, can I go, you know, cause it was like a, it was like three or four days out. And they're like, yeah, no, you should be fine. You know, just take it easy for a day and then go. So we hopped on a plane and went out there and I, you know, the day we landed in Boston, I just was not feeling well. I felt really sort of just not feeling well, just not myself, but it was a different, I wasn't quite getting what was going on, but I I definitely was not feeling well. 
and it got progressively worse. And I remember the day Carol was getting her surgery, I thought, maybe I should just check myself in. But I I knew when Carol comes out of anesthesia, she struggles for a little bit. So I knew that I had to at least be there for her to get her through the period of where she could kind of shake off the anesthesia. And then we were planning on going home the next day. So kind of give her sort of 12 hour, 12 to 18 hours to sort of get the anesthesia out of her system, at least a little bit to the point where we could travel. And so we did that and I am getting worse and worse. And I'm telling her, look, I I feel horrible, but I don't want to go to a hospital here in Boston. I just assume we go back the hospital back home. So let's just do that. And so that was probably close to one of the worst decisions we've, I've ever made in my life, at least as far as my health goes. We went and got on a plane from Boston. We flew to New York and it was all I could do to walk as slowly as I possibly could to get to the next flight because my insides were on fire and I was in so much pain. I was having a hard time just staying conscious and it hurt so badly. I was chewing Advil raw just to try to get the, the pain down. I, I didn't want to drink it. I wanted instant relief. So I literally chewed Advil and, and swallowed it with water. Just I wanted as quick relief as possible. Nothing was really working. We got on the flight and I was in total pain. Every little bit of turbulence. I wanted to kill the pilot, the whole thing. I just got progressively worse for the, I don't know, five or six hour trip home. And when we landed in Salt Lake City, I guess I was a, a shade of gray that looked pretty, pretty bad. And um, everybody knew that I was sort of in bad shape. And so my sweet wife ran out and got the car, brought it around, I got in. And then she drove, bless her heart, she is a fast driver anyway. But I mean, she was unbelievable. Jeff Gordon-esque. She was fantastic, and, and she was shooting in and out of traffic. She went like crazy and got me to the hospital. And I remember sort of getting out of the hospital, and she was going to go park the car. And I just sort of walked in slowly into the emergency room, and I got to the window, and the lady looked up at me, and I just I remember saying, I don't feel good. And then apparently I just went to the ground. So completely passed out, gone, whatever. They rushed me back in. I remember none of this. I came out of it, um, I guess I came out of it, a couple days later, and what had turned, what it, I guess it turned up is that when they did the appendicitis operation and they took my appendix out, they didn't seal me back up. They just left a gaping hole there. And so I had been dumping sewage into my inner systems and it was just basically filling up with stomach acid and gook that I had processed and was not now able to deposit properly. And so I, was, uh, I, got, I went septic. So I had sepsis. And which is what this gentleman um, that we learned about last night has in the hospital, which what kind of brought it up. And so it had gotten to the point where I guess they had uh, gone in and they had um, sucked out all the gook. They had um, washed off all my organs. They'd done a bunch of stuff. And and, uh, I, I never go shirtless because of the disaster that is my midsection now. (laughs) It is brutal and nobody needs to see that. Um, So anyway... Um, they sealed me back up and then, and then you're kind of hopeful, I guess, when you get to that point and you have that much infection and, and gook inside your system, the chances of you coming out of that are not the best. And so they kind of watched and waited and sort of were looking, but I, I guess I got worse and worse. I do remember vaguely people coming in and give me pain pills. I remember, um, I remember I, at, at night I would scream at the top of my lungs just because it hurt so badly, um, my insides. 
And um, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit this, that I, I'm a religious guy. I believe in God. But I, I was praying. I was not praying for deliverance. I was just praying to die. I just wanted out. So I completely gave up. It makes me feel horrible now that I think about it. I mean, I, I, would, I would conjure up the picture of my, my wife in my head to try to stop this. And I would still, I would go, I, it, she would come up my head and I would go, honey, I love you, but God, please take me now. And then I'd picture my kids. Whew. And sorry, I'd picture my kids and I'd think, I love you guys, but I can't do it. I got to go. Jeez, sorry, wasn't expecting this. So I was in so much pain and there was nothing they could do for me. I just wanted to leave this rock and be done with it. It didn't matter what I thought about. There was nothing that could get me past, past the pain where I, there was nothing that was worth it anymore. I just wanted to go and not feel it anymore. And I, I didn't, I mean, I don't know exactly what comes next, but I didn't care. I just wanted it to end. And so that's where I was and that's where I was hanging out. Well, it's, it was around this time that uh, fortunately for me, the Masters tournament was on and I love the Masters. The Masters is the best tournament as far as I'm concerned. I love it and I love watching it. And so I, I got in sort of the midst of all these conversations in, in a period of being somewhat conscious that I, I remember hearing that the Masters was on and, and that must have been a, a Sunday night so I had kind of come out of it a little bit and I'd turned on the TV to see if I could see the Masters coming on and I'd found it. And I'd found on the Golf Channel, or I'm not exactly sure where, maybe it was ESPN, I was completely on drugs, but I found somewhere where they said they were going to rebroadcast the whole thing. It was like eight hours of coverage. I didn't know who'd won. I didn't know any of it. And this is 2012, Bubba Watson won, so that's the title of my of my topic, but apparently this same day on this Sunday, they had told my wife, Hey, um, doesn't look good. (laughs) I guess he's going to get his wish. His prayers are going to be answered and he probably won't be here in the morning. And so she was dealing with that uh, unbeknownst to me that that's not information that they were, they were allowing me to, to enjoy in, right? This is not information that was making it to, to my ears. So that's what she's dealing with. I guess just facing the idea of being a single mom with three kids, but 2012 would make them our oldest, you know, 10, 11. So that's what she has to deal with the rest of her life and, um, and, and me moving on. And, and so she's dealing with that and, and I'm dealing with uh, pain and a, a drug induced, I, I, I guess, almost coma. I mean, I am uh, fit to be tied and, and tied down, frankly. And, I get to the point where I see that the masters are starting and it's, I'm sort of coming out of the hay. So that means that it's time for them to come in and give me a bunch more of the, the pain meds. And I've, I'd learned that if I do not move, if I absolutely stay totally still and I don't move, that the pain is at least bearable. If I move, it's unbearable. So I'm, I've gotten to the point where I figured out, okay, I've positioned my bed and I've gotten to a point where I'm somewhat comfortable. And if I don't move, it doesn't hurt that well it hurts but it's not where i want to kill myself hurt it's it's you know manageable it's a level of pain that i've grown accustomed to handling at that point in my life so the nurse comes in to give me stuff and i say to her no i don't want any of it because i know it's going to knock me out and then i'm not going to be able to watch the masters tournament and so i I chased her away and and she bickered a little bit but i won the argument you can't give a person drugs if they don't want it so she left 
and I watched the Masters. And I watched all eight hours. I was sick of sleeping at that point. I watched all eight hours and, and absolutely was completely enthralled with the whole thing. And I don't know if you remember, I'm sure everybody does, the playoff Bubba bending that shot around the corner onto the green, winning the playoff. I mean, the, the double eagle, the whole thing. It was a, just a magical tournament, right? It was the, it was the coolest tournament. And that um, staying awake for eight hours without any pain medication, it, it hurt. I had to move around a little bit to, to stay. I, I was definitely alert because the pain kept me alert. But I just remember being so present and in the moment and watching that golf tournament and sort of being transported to the Masters. And I've never been and I, I want to I go. But I, I was transported. I was there. I was a part of it. And I became such a big fan of Bubba Watson because I was so tied into this. And because I was so focused on it and so alert for those, th- those eight hours, I turned a corner. When the tournament was over, and I don't remember what time it was, it was the wee hours of the morning, I went to sleep, um, they came in to try to give me some more drugs, I said I don't need them, I watched the last few hours of the tournament, Bubba Watson won, I was euphoric, I just remember this surge of adrenaline, and I don't know if that's what did it, but I just remember being so much in love with the game, and so much in love with the Masters, and so much in love with how that tournament ended, and how Bubba Watson played, so much in love with the emotion that came out of him when he'd won. And he's an emotional guy. But just feeling so enamored with all of that and so tied back into that experience that it felt like I was there, that that was it. That's when I turned the corner. That was that night. It was watching the Masters Tournament. It was watching Bubba Watson win his, win his first major. And it was being off of pain meds. And it was finding something it was, it was being conscious again. It was being present again that got me to the point where my body decided to fight. And I decided to fight myself, that it was, it was worth living, that, that Carol and the kids were worth living for again, that the pain, that I could take the pain on and get through this and we were going to do it and we we're going to make it. And that wasn't the last day of pain, but it was definitely the last day that I was unconscious. It was the last day uh, didn't remember anymore. I remembered every day past that point and every day as I went through uh, the healing process, uh, kind of a, a long story longer, I guess. Uh, when that sort of thing happens, they actually ins- inserted two clear tubes into my abdomen area and they attached to the end of the, these things, these like little, these little kind of plastic balloon type things. You crush them and you hook them onto the hose and then they act as sort of like constant suction to suck out the infection from your insides. So I went home with two tubes sticking out of my belly. Uh, I looked like a Borg. And I would have to change the, and it would fill up these little these little balls. They, they're kind of shaped like a hand grenade, right? With plastic. And they would just constantly suck out the infection. And I had those things in me for a week to 10 days. And I would just change them out and dump the poison out and wash them out and then put them back on to these tubes that were inside me for that amount of time. But that, I mean, and I was on heavy antibiotics and this, that, and the other, but we kind of sort of worked our way through that. I lost 30 pounds in the process, not, not healthy pounds. I looked uh, awful. And uh, I've, I've fortunately put on those 30 and a few more just for good measure in case I ever have to go through that again. But I, I got healthy and I was so grateful. I am, I'm still grateful. I am still grateful for the Masters Tournament now obviously means something different to me. It's a, it's a special time of year, my birthday month, excuse me. 
It's also, you know, the first major. We're kind of getting back into it. It's just a cool time. And it was just a cool, it was just a, a moment for me to really reflect and tie back into golf and tie back into life and tie back into why we're alive and what we do and how we live and to appreciate your family and, and your spouse and everything about life became very real and, and it stayed real for me. So I guess that's a, a good turning point in my life. So again, I, I publicly thank the Masters for saving my life and I, I publicly thank Bubba Watson for playing like that and making it so exciting and keeping me to a place where I got to where life became became worth living again and all of that tied up into that. So that's kind of the story behind Bubba Watson saving my life. It's sort of a roundabout way, but yeah, I did almost die. And yeah, it was Bubba Watson and my watching him that kind of got me through it all. So golf is an amazing sport. Golf can, um, if we learn it the right way and if we do it the right way, it can be life altering. It can be an experience that, that makes life worth living. More than that, it can be an experience it can be an experience and an activity that makes life more worth living, right? It makes life better when golf gets better. So that's what we're all about here at Data Access Golf. So I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate, I apologize for the emotion in the middle of that. I wasn't expecting that. It's been, geez, it's been six years, but it's still, uh, it's still a little raw, I guess. More raw than I thought it was. But thank you for listening. Until next time, please remember, better data means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com, and we'll see you on the next episode.